Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Episode 7, Crossroads. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James and I'm here with Conrad. Hello. That's him. Uh, This week we're going to be looking at episode 7 of season 1 of Dark. What did you think of it, Conrad? Um, oh wow, straight in, straight in, <laughs> cutting to the, the meat of the just, issue. Yeah, just, yeah, the meat and potatoes. Give me, give me just a few, a sentence or two before we then do the whole pluggy, pluggy bit. Uh, Helga, you bastard, is my one sentence. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was good, I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, they're all, uh, they're all good. It's, it's hard to kind of separate them out now, but yeah, there, there was a lot in this and as has become tradition for, for Dark, like that last sort of 15 minutes, it just starts going crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, um, me, me starting so quickly, there was a bit of a rib on a commenter from the last episode. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I said, uh, before we went into the breakdown, I said, all right, let's get straight into it. And yeah. he, he, he linked, <laughs> it was three minutes in and he linked the three minutes. Okay, nice. You happy now? <laughs> yeah. You cut me to the core. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but you know, if, if you can't handle us rabbiting on, you know, this probably isn't the podcast for you. Some, we love a preamble. What can I say? Like, absolutely love a preamble. Yeah, I know we do. Uh, anyway, so if you want to catch us on uh, Spotify, podcasting, all the rest of the podcasting apps, Apple Podcasts, I can't remember them all off the top of my head right now. They're on the screen Good if you're watching YouTube. If you're listening to it, I'm sure you already have downloaded it, so it's okay. So if you want to listen to us on them, please subscribe. Uh, that does us a really good favor. If you want to rate the podcast as well, I don't mind if you rate us two-star, if you think it's a two-star podcast. Conrad wants a five-star. Yeah, I, I do mind. I want a five-star. Do on. it for Conrad. Do it for Conrad, right? He's doing so much for us. Okay, <laughs> so um, I think as long as you subscribe on the uh, podcasting apps, we're ready to go. Yeah, we'll give you we'll we'll give you five seconds to subscribe to the podcasting apps. Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Well, that guy who commented will be really happy because I think I think this is less than three minutes. But if I keep talking and if I keep talking and if I keep talking, we might actually uh, yeah. get to three minutes. Drag it out. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm not going to say straight into it this time because I know that that kind of kind of got him. So let's get into it. Yep, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down. Okay, so the episode opens with a young boy with a pretty battered face. Yeah. Um, not battered like a fish, battered like uh, he's been, I don't know what, fried? <laughs> what, yeah, he's been, he's been knocked around. Yeah, I say not like a fish, and then I say he's been fried. Okay. Um, yeah, so, and then he's sort of hanging about in that room with all the, the different wallpaper and where Eric was. Yeah. And then we see it's Helga wakes up and he says, I remember everything. Yes. Like a bit like uh, Meatloaf on Bad Out of Hell 2. I remember everything. I'll have to trust you on that. I do not remember anything about <laughs> Bad Out of Hell 2, frankly. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I went through a phase when I was like 16 or 17 where I only listened to that album for uh, six months. <laughs> nice. I don't know why. I just used to play darts in the garage just listening to Bad Out of Hell 2. So it's, score- it's, in, a, it's in my brain. Like, a very, for... very niche affectation that you developed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I was doing. Right. Uh, okay. So what did you think of this opening scene? Um, so I thought it, I mean, as soon as I saw the boy, my first instinct was that's Helga because of the year. Um, and um, 
as we will discover throughout this episode, I really liked the little nod to the 50s in his attire. Perhaps 1953, one might say. Um, why, why would it be 1953? Um, well, because that was 33 years before 1986. Oh, Jesus. You can't get anything by this guy. Yeah, I mean, I might. That could be completely wrong, but, but that's just. I mean, I know well, it's not no, wrong. The I'm not going to lie. The math is right on that. Yeah, someone double check that for me, please. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait. Um, yeah, no, it was a good, it was a really cool opening, and Helga is. Uh, I think it's a smart way to start this episode because Helga is the character who, probably alongside Tronta and Peter Doppler, has the most mystery around him. I'm trying to think, obviously Noah as well, but yeah. I feel like Noah's going to remain fairly mysterious for a little while. Um, so starting off with Helga and kind of revealing something about his character both sets us up for what's going to happen in the rest of this episode and is also a really enticing little hook for a character that we definitely want to know more about. Yeah, awesome. And it's also the second time in this show, well, the second episode in a row, actually, where it started with... Uh, an implied nightmare or an implied dream that they're waking up from. Yep, that's true. That's a good point. Um, and um, yeah, and it, it, it's, it, it again is uh, similar to the Regina one. It kind of uh, provokes uh, or asks further questions, you know, like what, what actually happened to Helga here? Like, how did he get here? And what's, what actually happened to his, his face that, that, you know, gave him those wounds. Um, none do, you of which... a, do you have any theories on that? I mean, you... I still, I still have that that theory that I mentioned a few episodes ago, where I think Helga was someone that tried to do, or perhaps successfully did, um, what they also did to Yasin and mm -hmm. Eric and and Mads, um, and that well, he's uh, in that room now. So this is kind of pointing towards that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, the fact it's been done, the fact he already has those wounds, and he's he appeared to be waking up in that room. Um, you know, he'd never seen it before, based on how he was kind of acting um, in the room. Suggests he received them before he was put there. Which, mm -hmm. yeah, I, there's there's more questions than answers from this, but uh, that's that's the way I like it from Dark. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, what I would notice from this scene as well, as as well as the Regina opening scene from the last one. It's really interesting. It sort of implies that there's some sort of non-tangible sort of spiritual thing going on. Maybe not spiritual, but sort of gal galactic. No, that's not the right word. Going on with dreams because yeah. both of them dreamed of the thing that happened 33 years ago in the past from the moment they were dreaming. Do you know what I mean? So I would, I would imagine, because we've seen everything sort of in chronological order so far within yeah. each time zone. So within that 86 and 2019, so I would imagine when Regina woke up from that dream where she was on the tree, it was actually 33 years exactly between the dream and being on the tree. And now this is, he, I, would, I would assume it's the same for Helga here. Well, yeah, considering I think, I think he, if, he's right. in, if he's in 86, he probably, uh, I, don't, I don't know where he is actually. He hasn't told us where this room is, but it's, it's probably within that cycle of 30, 33. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, the, the, this, this episode in particular, but throughout is very clearly drawing those comparisons by saying, like, this is what happened on the 9th of November in 2019. And this is what happened on the 9th of November in 1986. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's definitely, it's, it, whether it's just kind of like thematically reinforcing that idea of a cycle or whether there is something, as you say, some kind of intangible link between mm. these events and these people that they don't fully understand is it, it remains to be seen but it's um yeah it's definitely there and the show is definitely highlighting it yeah cool all right on to the episode title 
Now, in, in English, it's crossroads. Oh, boy. I'm assuming it, it translates directly. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I don't... I, I said to uh, Conrad just before we started recording, I don't think I'm going to get this right. Uh, I'll look at it. I'm looking at it now. There's a couple of ways I could go. Having said that, I'll probably just pull it out, right? Go, go for it. I'm going to say Cruz Vega. Okay. I think the second part is close. I would say Kreuzvega. But I don't oh, know if it's cool. I don't know if it's vague or vega at the end. Um Interesting, yeah, because like, I can I can hear that now when you say it. Like but the the T sound in the you know for, in the Z there wasn't coming to me at all. Um Well, I, again, this is based on based on five years of German uh about fifteen years ago. So it's entirely possible that I've just had a little a little flourish there that shouldn't be there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, let us know how we got on there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have high hopes for this one. So does, it, so does that mean that Vega is Rhodes? Yeah, although I thought, I'm trying to remember, I thought Road was Strasse, although Strasse might be Street. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Vega might be Road. I mean, I assume it must be, given, given, given what we know about the title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Closing cool. the name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then uh, it starts off with a sort of another little montage. It always, has, as this as this series is going on, you've already noticed it's harder and harder for me to prepare for these episodes because they're all becoming like short twenty to thirty second uh, scenes or yeah. spliced together throughout. So I've actually tried to accumulate each storyline together, and you'll notice what I mean as I go through because. It, when it shows Auric looking through everything, I've sort of put them all together all the times he was looking and we'll talk about everything in one chunk. But Yeah, that makes sense, I think. Yeah, so anyway, for this first one, anyway, uh, Egon is looking through the little hole of the, the cell in, in the jail. Yeah. Uh, Ulrich is still in 86. Young Ulrich is still held prisoner for the apparent rape on Katarina. Uh, we yep. see Mikkel and he's got the... Um, the what is it called? Emerald... Uh, the Emerald Tablet illustration. Emerald Tablet, yeah. Yeah. So he's got it's very the weird that that's just framed in a hospital, but maybe maybe that's just a little throwaway thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the Emerald tab <laughs> tab Tablet is there. Um, and then also Ulrich is visiting Mad's grave in 2019. Any thoughts on the way this episode opened? Um, really just um, questions about Egon's relationship with Ulrich was the main thing for me. Um, the fact, I mean, we know obviously Ulrich and Katarina are bullying Regina, and I wonder if that's the that's the the root of Egon's animosity towards because he's he's Regina's mm -hmm. grandfather, isn't he? Um, I wonder yeah. whether that's the root of his animosity towards Ulrich, um, or whether there's something else that we're yet to see. Um, and also, just Ulrich's demeanor in this episode, or young Ulrich's demeanor, I should say, is very. Um, it's very like dispassionate and cold, um, which is interesting. I think they they very very deliberately play on that. They they kind of don't want to give anything away in regards to that um, the the allegations against him uh, mm -hmm. regarding Katerina, um, and it obviously starts here. But they keep on returning to it throughout the episode. Awesome, yeah, and that is something that we don't even get. Like we bought, we had obviously a big discussion in the last episode about. Uh, all those, you know, whether it was a, uh, w w whether it was credible, uh, Hannah's eyewitness account, 
all that sort of thing. And, and as of yet, and I think we concluded that even if, it, even if it turns out that there wasn't a rape, it's definitely something that the writers want us to be picturing Ulrich doing at the minute. They want us to be thinking about him they, uh, being that violent. So at the yeah. minute, again, that is a thread that has not been pulled excuse the pun in uh, the show dark so nice well, yeah thank you very much thought about that <laughs> one for a week so um we'll find out i'm sure but at the minute that's what's one of the mysteries sort of character mysteries i would say rather than the big overall mysteries um and obviously there's just questions uh, not really anything to note about the, the emerald tablet and mickle that's just a yeah just you know I, I want to know who in this hospital was in charge of decorating that that put like a framed illustration of the emerald tablet from like the t the twelfth century up on their wall, <laughs> yeah. maybe 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 they're they're all over the place in Germany. Maybe that's true. I I haven't been to Germany for a while. I haven't I haven't been to a hospital in Germany, so maybe it's uh maybe it's just a thing that they do there. Yeah, I suppose like you know, medicine started out as alchemy, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Okay. So then we get a scene in the morgue, uh, where this yeah. woman. <laughs> Right. What, what? What? What is it with the coroners in Vinden? Like this, the, you've got the guy from 1986 who's like talking about bloody Yugoslavian meatballs while he's yeah. cutting a sheep's head open, and then this woman who utters one of the most morbid sentences I've ever heard in, or, or, or that I could ever imagine someone saying when describing a dead child, when she says that frozen steak isn't like fresh steak. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. Like, I suppose, like being a coroner. You would a pathologist. You would become numb. Yeah, you it. get like gallows humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and you know, Ulrich, it is a real juxtaposition because Ulrich is there. Yeah. He just he's found out that the dead boy is his brother, yeah. and this woman's just like frozen steak is not the same yeah. as fresh. Just cracking wise. It's yeah. I, I really like this scene, but because obviously Ulrich isn't in my good books at the moment, I and mean, there's this coroner who's just like cracking wires about his dead younger brother it's uh it, it, you don't get that much humor out of um out of dark but it is there if you look for it it is definitely yeah uh right okay so there's not much else to say about the scene really it's just that uh we we sort of found out that there is no way that this body could have aged 33 yeah, years I, I it feels like it was it was for obviously for Ulrich's character's benefit but also partially for the audience's benefit just to sort of hammer it home say no he wasn't frozen and hasn't mm -hmm. you know hasn't there isn't like a logical reason why he's turned up there is there is something else at work here exactly yeah okay cool then uh Jonas wakes up in a tower uh hunts is it a hunting tower of some sort yeah i think it's either for hunting or for bird watching or something yeah exactly um and he comes down and he walks into the school um yeah. and he has his uh, mr sandman moment um, yes bring me a dream and then so except it's like it's, it's the 80s so it's sort of like a synthy i can't remember what the song actually it's, is uh, it's she ran by flock of seagulls i believe which yeah. is a great song so it's not really the barbershop that you had in uh no. you, had, you had had in uh, back to the future one but you know it's a similar feel same idea yeah so he and... goes sorry no go on you go yeah so he goes into the into the school then and he talks to regina and he says uh what's you know what's the day it's just every time travel film or show has this what's the day 9th of november no what year yeah <laughs> right uh and it was uh 1986 uh so you know right where he wants to be and uh then he asks where's uh enos so he's asking for asking for where's Ma uh, michael carnvald 
She says, I don't, I don't know who that is. He says, well, he's the son of Enos Karnvold. And she says, well, try at the hospital then, because she's the nurse. Um, and then she gets pushed and called four eyes by someone. Yeah, I didn't see who it was, but um, I, whether it's but just... I a yeah, I think it was just a random bully. Just, you know, reinforcing the fact that Regina didn't have a good childhood, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But um, um, yeah. The, the one thing I was going to say about this was um, I, f- I feel like I have said in the past that I'm kind of glad that Dark doesn't lean too heavily into the lower in the 80s kind of thing where, you know, it plays lots of 80s music. But having said that, I do actually very much appreciate when it does do it because it does it with a sense of um, restraint. And uh, mm-hmm. this was this was a great case. Where it's just like, yeah, we're just going to give you a cool 80s song for a little bit here as an establishing shot of, of Jonas's story in this episode. Yeah, it's cool, and it, like it's it, it is it is in those moments it's a different it's a tone that you don't really get in dark otherwise. So it is it is yeah. welcome when it does come. Uh, now, one thing that I noticed when I watched this, well, I didn't notice it when I watched it, but when I first watched it, I went on a deep dive <laughs> around something, and I actually okay. discovered my first thing that I discovered: dark gets a reputation for being a perfect show. Now. I'm sure my listeners will know, I've said before, it's really, I, I believe it's quite close to being perfect. Um, but there's no such thing as a perfect show. And if you don't believe me, if you do think it's perfect, well, let me explain why it's not. So oh, here we go. Here's, in. here's the first big mistake in the show. And I will point them out as we go, just because, you know, we're all adults here. We're all adults. We can, we can put up with the idea that our show isn't perfect. So the 9th of November, 1986. What day of the week was that? Um, oh, I didn't actually, I didn't actually see. Does it tell you what day it is? Well, it tells you. Well, it, it doesn't matter what day it is because if you look it up on the calendar, right, it's Sunday. Oh, so everyone, why are they in school on a Sunday? So why are they in school on a Sunday? Later on, whenever, uh, whenever they're talking to, oh, I can't remember when we get to there in, in the episode. It does actually confirm that they. Oh yeah, when he, when Egon's talking to Helga, he says, oh, "I'll I'll talk. I'll I'll have an interview in two days' time." And he says, "Well, that'll be Tuesday." So that confirms it is Sunday. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So they even they even had had that it's in a, front it's, of them. It's even yeah, they had it in front of them, and they still made the mistake. <laughs> what a bunch of clowns! <laughs> I know. Show over. You know what are we watching here? You know <laughs> what are we watching? Dawson's Creek. You know, no offense, no offense to Dawson's Take that, Creek. Katie Holmes and James Vanderbeek. No offense to Dawson's Creek. You know, I, I I'm a big fan of Mighty Ducks. Um, how did Mighty Ducks tie into Dawson's Creek? Isn't the guy who plays Charlie in Mighty Ducks in Dawson's Creek? Charlie is uh, Emilio Estevez. No, no, it's... that's Coach Bombay, Gordon Bombay. Which one's Charlie? Charlie's oh, not, this, number ninety-six. Just... Charlie Conway. Oh, okay. I don't actually. I couldn't name you a single child actor in Mighty Ducks, so I'm, I'll accept. I'll accept well, he's, your. Is he's, he's the main guy in the in Fringe? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a rabbit hole. I simply cannot go down. <laughs> Anyone interested? There is a new Mighty Ducks uh, TV series <laughs> coming to Disney Plus. Check it out. Look out for our sub, uh, supplemental podcasts after the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll cover it. I'll cover it on uh, my Watson News videos. Uh, any <laughs> anyway, so there we go. There's the big first big mistake. I'm sorry that I have to bring it to you. Maybe you didn't want to know that there was a big mistake in Dark, but there's the big mistake. School doesn't happen on Sundays. Now I'm sure we can all come up with a reason in our head and have some head cannon as to why it's okay. It's okay. It, they, they they didn't make a mistake, but let's be honest with ourselves. They made a mistake. Right. Next scene. Uh, we get Egon uh, doing some really great police work. Really great pre- police work here. 
you know. Are you big, this is big, about the question mark. Yeah. <laughs> big question mark. You can see mark. that he's, yeah, he's, you can tell he's close to retirement. He's just yeah. like, he is completely checked out. Yeah. He's, he's put a big question mark on Ulrich's jumper for anyone listening to the audio podcast. <laughs> a big, he's got a picture of Ulrich. He's put a big question mark on his jumper. He's got three months until retirement. He's got nothing to be doing except for yeah. this. He has to visualize his questions in his mind, you see. Yeah. No, he's got his book and he's got his pen. And that's, that's, he's just going to pretend he's working for the next three months until he gets to, gets to retire. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I will say about the scene is, uh, or is there anything you want to say before I have a go? Um, so, well, the only thing really that I got from this, oh, there's two things actually I got from this scene. So first off, who is this jerk in the suit giving the chief of police mm-hmm. orders? That's what I want to know. This guy had some serious kind of FBI vibes to me. I know they don't have yeah. that in Germany, mm-hmm. but, you know, some some kind of federal law enforcement kind of guy. Um, so I'm interested to see if he returns in any capacity. Um, and again, as as I mentioned at the, be- at the beginning of this episode, there are these really clever, subtle little references to the 50s, just like littered throughout this. So you had Helga's uh, clothing being sort of 50s appropriate at the beginning mm-hmm. and then this guy says this isn't the 1950s when yeah. he's talking about how, uh, um, Egon's methods which is just a lovely little line to it doesn't really mean anything on on its own but when it's thrown in there enough times it just kind of foreshadows something that's maybe going to happen yeah exactly also later on when he's in we'll mention it later but when he's in the car with Jonas uh, you can hear yep. a 50s song as well yeah I've got that down lovely little show tune yeah it's great but uh, basically what I, I wanted to talk about like the idea the idea that that suit is there so obviously he's from some higher authority yeah. Egon is the chief of police but I think that's that's there he's his presence is to show us Egon has not handled the disappearance of Mads well at all um, and I think that man has come in because they realize that Egon is a bit inept and out of his depth and he's yeah. in he's in there to take over the ship basically oh so you, so he's like he is a police officer, but he's kind of like a, a federal police officer, or yeah, he's, I think he's actually he's replacing coming... him as the chief of police. I don't know if he's re- see. Obviously, we don't know this, um, and I don't think we ever find out. But I, I would just assume because he's not in the uniform, and he's in a, I would assume he's from an, he's been sent to Wyndon to sort sort of sort it out. That's what I always uh, okay. thought about it. That would make sense. I mean, and it, you know, it's another. They might not even intended this, but there's a lot of kind of 80s cop movies where the feds show up and yeah. spoil the good guys perfectly good plan by you know interfering and that could quite easily be what this is while at the same time as you say just kind of letting us know that egon hasn't dealt with this missing child case very well at all exactly yeah uh awesome and then we get a shot of uh ulrich looking through all of the files from back when mads disappeared from the from 86 yeah um this shot of him is sitting in the middle of them all on the floor. I, you know what? You know what sprung to mind when I saw it. What? Jared Leto as the Joker. Oh, I never saw that movie. So well, you I... are you are lucky. Yeah. Because apparently, being an unhinged, insane uh, psychopath means that you lay all your knives out very, you know, in, in a row. Like his whole his whole house was like perfectly order, organized and everything. Like it was oh, just okay. a really strange portrayal of the Joker. That, to be honest with you, I didn't I didn't really like it at all. Um, yeah, don't I tell Jared Leto that because it does hurt his feelings. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but anyway, that just reminded me of that. So he's he's looking through all this stuff. He's really doing doing Egon's job thirty three years, years later, and uh, so as well as that, a little tacked on scene while this is happening is that uh, Torben Voller comes in and lets uh, Charlotte know 
uh, that's Catherine. If you're keeping yep. score, um, so she lets uh, he lets uh, Catherine. But it's it is Catherine. It's official now. Catherine Doppler. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, Catherine Doppler. So he, uh, Torben lets Charlotte know that they have a search warrant for the nuclear power plant. Um, yep. So uh, any this is just the transition, really. But what, what do you think? Uh, well, she she gives us one what feels like an important piece of information saying the ground shook uh, while she's talking on the phone to, I can't actually remember who she's talking on the phone to in this scene. Um, Is it Ulrich? It might be Ulrich. Yeah. But that kind of, to me, filled in some of the blanks as to why Regina, when she was being bullied at the beginning of the last episode, looked down at the ground um, as, as she, um, in, in her nightmare. Um, I, 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 well, maybe that's completely wrong, but that's, the idea that there's some kind of vibration or something coming out mm-hmm. of the earth or, yeah. or just something you can feel in the earth definitely kind of filled in a blank for me there. Yeah. Maybe Regina's like, she just felt on her feet that the, the ground was shaking. Yeah. And uh, I also like, it was his name. Voller. Yeah. Side patch guy. I like, I like him a lot. He feels like a, he feels like a twin peaks character. Like he's just kind of this guy with an eye patch that no one's mentioning. And, and he sort of turns up and, He's getting more and more lines, so I'm hopeful that he's going to become important at some point in the in the near future. Because um, he's certainly, by the end of this scene, when um, he it actually is it this scene where he's he he gives her the search warrant and he also is asking questions about the um, That's later about on. the case. That's like, okay. We'll come back to that later then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but Torben Voller is uh, definitely like yeah yeah he's he's a, he's a fan favorite. Um, even if he doesn't deserve to be, but he's uh, <laughs> he's he's always hanging about. He's 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 he's, he's pretty good. Uh, right, uh, the next one, uh, next scene. I thought it was pretty cool. Like they got the search warrant, and then the next scene was Egon arriving at the nuclear power plant. Yeah, uh, in '86, so sort of mirroring there again. And he yeah. goes, he talks to Helga, um, and he asks Helga for sort of what's going on. It, it all it all boils down to he writes down in his book, "Why not the forest road." Because yeah. on, on the night of the disappearance of Mads, Helga went home, but he didn't go the, sh- the way that he would have driven usually. He ran an unusual route. Yeah. This is also where we got confirmation that it was actually a Sunday. Uh, and then um, interesting I found at the end of this is that uh, even though Helga seems very sketchy right now, Egon is still, as you said at the start of this episode, focusing on Ulrich. He's still asking about Mads. Did you see Mad's brother that night? Yeah, like he had—he definitely seems to have tunnel vision, um, or or like a personal vendetta against Ulrich, um, mm. and he's kind of missing what to me seemed like very suspicious details. So like Helga proposing a very specific time and date in the future, um, yeah. as if he knows that he won't be around for that time and date, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it. it I, I feel like. If you'll excuse, excuse another pun, uh, Egon can't see the wood for the trees here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that was good. Well done. Well done. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, Egon's a bit out of his depth here. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Charlotte arrives at the nuclear power plant now in uh, 2019 with the search warrant. Yeah. Alexander complies, which is good to see. Um, and then Charlotte is hanging about, walking around, uh, in uh, like it's funny the nuclear power plant she got the search warrant for the actual nuclear power plant and now she's just randomly in the forest uh, yeah just hanging out on the grounds in the grounds yeah which I suppose makes sense um, and we're gonna sort of get on to where what she's doing there a bit later um, yeah. and I, you know this scene happened in the rain anything to say about it 
Uh, well, the, uh, I, I was slightly taken aback by the amount of security the nuclear power plant has. I don't Maybe that's just because I don't spend a lot of time hanging around power plants. But are <laughs> armed guards normal at nuclear power plants? It just seems excessive to me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, it seems suspicious to me to have... Like, I mean, I can understand having security, but having security with submachine guns seems unnecessary <laughs> for a power plant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, maybe you're right. Uh, let let us know in the comments. Do yeah. the, the, the nuclear power plants in, in every small town in Germany uh, have submachine gun guards? Uh, all right. Um, so then we get uh, a scene of Ulrich sort of... Now, this is where I'm amalgamating a lot of stuff. He's uh, putting clues together. He realizes uh, when he's looking through Egon's book, uh, f- like little inter- like his little police note- logbook, from uh 1986 he realizes that helga doppler uh was meant to he wrote egon wrote down why not the forest road and then ulrich then looks up in the interview logbook and finds that there was never a interview given by helga so he rings brings up charlotte and lets her know that obviously this is charlotte's father-in-law so she's dismissive of it um at least to ulrich because later on her her actions sort of go against that dismissiveness yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's already sort of putting it together. Yeah, I think um, that there's, I, I will get into it a bit later, but I, I begun to feel like something might happen to Auric by the end of this episode because he's, he's getting quite close to the truth. Um, but he's, he's, he's on thinner ice than I think he, he appreciates um, that he's on at the moment. Um but uh, yeah, this is actually this is a really good example of me uh, overanalyzing something and going down a blind alley because the first okay. time I watched this, when Ulrich is looking through the uh, Egon's notes uh, and he sees that there is no, um, there was no uh, statement taken from Helga, the first page that he looks at is from someone called Doreen Fuchs. <laughs> And uh, and I, I was like, I spent this entire episode being like, who is this mysterious Doreen Fuchs that we've yet to meet? <laughs> And then on the second watch through, I was like, okay, she's probably, she's probably no one. <laughs> exactly. You know, as long as when you realize that she is no one, you're not annoyed by that, but that's okay. You I know was furious. I mean? <laughs> God damn it, Dart. I blame the writing, despite it clearly being my own fault. For... Yeah, who is Doreen? They never answered it. Answer um... the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome. So Oryx, he's, get, he's getting, he's getting closer. He's getting closer. Yeah. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember the name. Who's the guy who flew close to the sun? Uh, Icarus. Yeah, he's he's a bit he's he's sort of becoming a little bit of an Icarus here. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I he, he I he doesn't. Uh, there's 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 some really good dramatic irony in this episode actually. So that there's the the I'm not going to say anything now because I have a theory, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but um, you there's don't a sort say. of there's a duality of Helga's character, which introduces some really cool dramatic irony in that Ulrich suspects present Helga of uh, having done something to the children when in fact i think he might actually be trying to help and likewise Ulrich is as you say flying very close to the sun here without appreciating quite how close to danger he is and there's there's just these really cool like strands of irony underneath these performances mm-hmm. that that like make them really compelling for me as a viewer because we 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 kind of have a tension that we that we know is there but these characters don't appreciate is yet and I, it makes me wonder what's going to happen to people like Ulrich in the near future 
Interesting. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I will yeah. say this is maybe a good point to say this. As you know, I've said before, me and Connor have been friends for years. And as we're going through this now, every time we're finding out something new, like we're on episode, what is this, episode seven? Yeah. I just really want just to have him see the rest of this series and just talk about it. Like I, I'm getting very, uh, I don't know, what's the right word? Impatient. Imp- oh, yeah. I'm getting very impatient uh, with, with, with the wait to have you find things out, you know? Yeah. Um, so even even myself in the past, when I've uh, had friends watch Dark with me, um, well, for one thing, they lived in the in the same country, and for two, there was no you know COVID going on, so they actually just came came over and we'd watch like five episodes in a row, and then we'd he'd come back the next week, watch another five episodes. So yeah. I've never actually had to do it like this, and I just find myself probably like the listeners, just thinking, "Come on, let's get to it," you know? Yeah, the I I can tell you with each passing episode the urge to just hit that next episode button after i finish is overpowering at times yeah yeah i can imagine i can really really imagine that um okay cool uh next up we get uh one again one of the funniest scenes dark very rarely gives you just pure comedy but this is Is one of (laughs) is this the egon headphones yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) so he gets in again he says should he be should you be at school with a sunday egon you know yeah Put down, put, put, down, job. put down the bottle of vodka right yeah <laughs> uh so basically he gets in the uh Jonas gets in the car for a ride to the hospital um egon the things he, he has the earbuds uh yeah. ear, earphones actually it's not part of my what the dub but the what the dub actually said uh Jonas said they were headphones and i was like they're not headphones Jonas. so they actually did say earphones in the german version Okay, yeah, that's uh, or earbuds if you really want to be, if you really want to use the modern parlance. But uh, yeah, this this whole bit was very Back to the Future, um, and it, uh, as you say, it's just a a nice little moment of levity um, in a show that doesn't tend to have very much of it. And and as we alluded to before, it's got that kind of fifties swing and blues yes. in the background, which I don't think you're allowed to listen to in a police car. But I don't know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a great little kind of it's just a sort of subliminal tonal messaging mm-hmm. for what might maybe is going to come later. Yeah. And, uh, Egon says, whenever he finds out about the earphones, he says, uh, now I've seen it all. Yeah. That's, that's Egon's life. He can, he can die a happy man. Now he's seen this bizarre earphone contraption and yeah. he can't believe his eyes. Exactly. And then when they get to the hospital, there's another bit of comedy between the two of them. These two could have a, have their own comedy show. Uh, there's a little bit of comedy between the two of them because uh, Egon then turns to Jonas just before he gets out at the hospital and he says, um, amongst you youths is uh, Satanism a thing? Oh, that, yeah, it was great. I loved Jonas's response as well. Just laughed in his face. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, I've got in my notes, Egon's still on that Satanism theory. Good for you, Egon. Like, yeah. don't, don't let it go. You're identifying with Egon because uh, just, like, just like Egon, you don't let theories go. No, I refuse to. Some might say to my own detriment, but here we are. Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, so Charlotte is um, knocking about in the forest, at, just in, in, the, in the grounds of the nuclear power plant. She, so there's a lot of stuff here, so I'm just going to go through it literally really quickly. She finds tire tracks. She then does the Claudia and repels down. Yeah, I mean, she didn't do it in heels, so she doesn't get as many points as Claudia. Yeah. But I'm still, you know, there are, there are some pretty all-action female characters in this show to just be like, oh, I'm going to repel into a cave now, at, at, like a moment's notice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like, I couldn't do that. So I've, I've no, absolutely had, not. Yeah. So she's had a, had a training anyway. And then she, she finds uh, 
sort of yellow paint flecks, I think they look like. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, and then she also finds the door, and it looks like the door has been sealed in some way, or there's a big black maybe welding up the side. Yeah, so I, I couldn't really tell from what we saw of it here whether it had been sealed recently or um, yeah. or, or not, but obviously we know that there, when Claudia came down here, there was like hundreds, if not thousands of barrels with the radiation symbol on them, um, which now aren't here. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I guess the implication here is that Alexander was moving them into the trucks that we saw in the second episode, I think. Yes, which yes, which means in Charlotte's time, they actually have only recently been moved. Yeah, which, which certainly makes sense. Given, yeah, given the paint is is still here and hasn't been covered up by by dirt, like yeah. it, it certainly lines up. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. Uh, we'll f- I'm sure we'll find out more about what those barrels are. If you remember, that was my biggest mistake I've made so far. I told him yep. they were barrels before he knew. But, oh well. Um, if you want to tell me what's in them, that'd be great, because it's maddening. Yeah, you know like packing peanuts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a complete red herring. Every one of them has like a load of packing peanuts, and then right in the middle of all the packing peanuts, just to keep it safe, is an actual peanut. <laughs> it's ingenious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, uh, then... Auric goes and pays a visit. It's nice because, you know, whenever you have your older relatives in, in homes, you do worry that people don't go visit them enough. Uh, so it was, it was nice of Auric to, to, to pop on around and visit Helga. Yeah. Um, so Auric starts demanding Helga, uh, where, you know, do you know anything about, why, why not the forest road? Do you know anything about my, my brother going missing? All this sort of thing. Um, Helga sort of freaks out a bit. And start Understandably. Saying, yeah, start saying, I can change the past as well as the future. What do you think? Yeah. Well, so the, I guess there's two things. First, within this scene, um, I really liked the way, the kind of blocking and the acting uh, with Ulrich's sort of hands kind of gradually closing around Helga's throat, not necessarily to throttle him, but they were definitely coming into shot and getting closer to his throat. And it's just kind of this... And we've, we've already seen him choke someone in the last episode. Yeah, so. exactly. Like, I don't think the implication actually was that he was going to choke Helga, but it's just this kind of really subtle reminder in the actor's performance that Ulrich has the capacity for violence, and you know, mm-hmm. he, he almost unthink without thinking about it, he will resort to violence if if he gets frustrated. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, that I can change the past and the future. Um, I'm trying to think when I'm going to get into my Helga theory. Um, I probably at the end, I think it makes okay. the most sense, but um, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> there's things I have to say about Helga um, and they began in this, in this, or well, they didn't begin in this scene. They began in the opening, but um, yeah, that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ulrich gets dragged out saying, uh, where is my son? Uh, yeah. So obviously he went there to question him about Mad's disappearance, but I think he's fully convinced now that Helga has something to do with Mikkel's disappearance too. Yeah. Um, okay, so he's getting dragged out. Then we get, in my mind, one of the most iconic scenes of Dark. Um, yeah. But, but just to just before you go into it, okay. I, I don't tend to I don't tend to swear very much. But when this character turned up in the 1980s, I literally out loud went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so go like go go ahead. Okay, so Jonas uh, is really thinking about just going and getting Mikkel and taking him back. Mikkel's over there with Enos. Um, she's probably giving him some toast Hawaii or something. That's an inside joke for the people from series two. Um, I understand that. Yeah, you'll understand later. Uh, so basically, um, 
The stranger shows up and gives mm-hmm. uh, Jonas a really badass monologue. Yeah. Um, but then eventually, so he says every decision for something is, the de- is a decision for something else. And then he says, a life for a life, what will you decide? And he actually gives Jonas the choice and then he leaves. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll just let you have a go at this. Yeah. So um, I think probably the first thing that he reveals as he's kind of reiterating that Mikkel is his father is obviously that Marta is his aunt, which I have to say, Jonas kind of takes in stride. I mean, I'm sure he will come to reflect on that more later mm-hmm. uh, and potentially regret past actions. But um, yeah, he, he doesn't seem too freaked out by it. But the fact that this guy, who to the best of my knowledge, the, the, this guy being the stranger, to the, who to the best of my knowledge has not met Marta, is talking about how Marta is Jonas's aunt reinforced my theory that I think this guy is Jonas in the future um, or, well, a grown-up Jonas. Um, but I think, generally speaking, what this um, dialogue made me realise was that there is going to be kind of causality of time travel in this series. So it's not going to be a case of um, kind of the, the past has happened and just because you change something in the past doesn't actually mean it's going to affect anything in the, in the future. So they are going to get into that kind of changing things in the past will change things in the future, which I'll be really interested to see how they handle because that can make the writing really complicated. So you, you only have to look at how quickly something like uh i guess like the terminator series fell apart under the weight of its own time travel theories mm-hmm. um so it's really easy to get that wrong i have full full confidence they'll be able to pull it off um but i'm really interested to see how they handle that and then as you say the every decision for something is a decision against something else a life for a life um bit of dialogue is kind of in a way the core I guess crossroads or decision at the center of this episode where basically Jonas is having to decide between quote unquote saving Miss Mikkel or rescuing Mikkel bringing him back to his correct time and therefore giving up his own life or kind of in his mind selfishly choosing not to save Mikkel and having his own life and there's this great performance from Jonas's actor here throughout this episode where you can see him kind of wrestling with the gravity of this of this decision um and yeah it's it's just this is this is kind of like where the real like kind of um cause and effect of the time travel of the show is really kind of nailed down for me and it was yeah it was just a great scene awesome yeah it's uh I really feel like this is one of the most iconic scenes from dark uh because like the, I just love that when he pins him up against the, against against, the against, ambulance. Yeah, and I I love the moment where um, it's sort of the music the music is sort of swelling, and uh, Jonas is sort of laughing it off, and then it becomes serious whenever the stranger says, "Whether you want to believe it or not, that is your father." Yeah, and then it's the, like the music almost stops, and it's like it hits home with Jonas. Listen, this is your father. I just yeah. love that moment. It's like, yeah, because it's it's funny as well. It's it's kind of, it's, I don't think it's deliberately done, but we've got people kind of fooling themselves um, despite what they can see in front of their eyes throughout this show. So we've obviously seen Katarina not accepting that Ulrich is cheating on her with Hannah, Ulrich not being able to see that the body of the child is mad, and then Jonas literally meeting his own mother walking into the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Like It's so obviously the 1980s, but I don't think it's until this moment that he actually accepts oh time travel is real i have done it and that is my father um and it, and it takes someone pinning him up against an ambulance and being like listen here 
yeah and i know it sounds stupid but it is real so you need to get on board with this and and quickly yeah and that harkens back to what we were talking about in the previous episode about you know you're not going to notice someone looking the same as your you know future husband like mickle to hannah basically if you didn't think time travel was real so it's, it's yeah. similar to that like it takes a lot to break your psyche into thinking that actually this is for real so yeah definitely yeah awesome uh okay then we get a little scene between ulrich and charlotte um where basically they're just filling each other in uh but I, one of the cool moments in, in it is it focuses in on the noah um police sketch yeah um yeah it's um well it's just um that i think it, it does it because there's going to be a cut for, well there, there is a cut after this from mm-hmm. focusing in on noah to helga at the start of a brief montage that's up next and it just it creates mental bridges that will be let's say reinforced by things that happen later in this episode yeah exactly and the charlotte ulrich conversation they're just sort of filling each other in uh charlotte is just reiterating to ulrich that um helga has dementia or dement which is you know one of those german words that really stays with you some some of them stay with you um so basically ulrich uh is really really honing in on i think helga has something to do with this charlotte is kind of doing well at least to ulrich anyway kind of doing the peter excuse from a few episodes ago so she doesn't really want to believe it but as we see later in the episode she sort of is coming around to it um Okay, so then we get, as you say, a cut from the Noah picture into Helga, and Helga's getting into his car. He um, opens his glove box, and he's mm-hmm. having a little bite of a of a rider bar. Yes, he is. So, yeah, the implication there being that this Helga is also potentially time traveling. Well, actually, no, I retract that, and I will say at this point in the episode, I think my thought was. Helga is um, still eating rider bars, I guess. I, it, it wouldn't have made sense on reflection because obviously that's like an 80s chocolate bar wrapper. So it must be this Helga who is time traveling and you know leaving these bars in the present day. But I think on first viewing, my first thought was, okay, so Helga is, is it like older Helga is involved in mm-hmm. this as well. And he's leaving those bars, um, bar wrappers in the forest after he's done doing something. Yeah, that's his vice. Yeah, exactly. He's had right, 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 uh, rider bars the whole time. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, he has some great uh, fur seat covers in his car as well, which um, they're just awful, awful taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. So I'm going to point out something here because you already know this sort of reveal at the end of the episode. I, I don't feel bad pointing it out. Um, also, they, get, they gave a little clue in this uh, scene to who Helga is as well, not just the, the rider bar but also the fact that there's a pine cone in the uh, glove box. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, I did make a note of that. And it's, uh, it's pro- is it in a couple of scenes time where Auric finds it at the... A little pine, oh, pine, pine carving. Pine, pine surfer, dude. Yeah, and we saw like, a character earlier on. I think there was a little pine surfer dude uh, so in Yassin. front of Yasin as well. I mean, yeah. Alexander uh, as well. Yeah, Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking to it. I think that uh, theory was actually, was that put out on the main episode? It was, yeah, yeah. So everyone knows what we're talking about. Uh, Conrad had a theory that Yasin turns into Alexander. Um, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll go back to that at the end of this episode. Yeah, uh, we might revisit that <laughs> at the end of this episode. And there may be, there may be some, some um, amendments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. Then, then we get uh, a scene that sort of mirrors the Hannah 
uh, eyewitness uh, sort of report when she told yeah. the story of Ulrich, but it's Katarina this time. And she is basically saying, no, he didn't do anything. Uh, there was no rape. But then Egon questions her about what happened to her eye. And she basically just doesn't have an answer. Um, she doesn't. Yeah, so she fell, I think. But... Yeah, she says she fell over. Um, now, I, I, before you get into it, I will say, people say that uh, Emma Watson in her Harry Potter acts with her eyebrows. People, I also made a comment about Hannah, the actress Hannah who played Hannah, didn't blink during hers. Yeah. Do yourself a favor, everyone listening to this, go watch this scene of Katarina again. This is some of the best nostril acting I've ever seen. Oh, wow. I didn't notice this at all. I need to go and see this. Honestly, these nostrils were going AWOL. They, they were all <laughs> well, You know what they say, the, the nostrils are the windows to the soul. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and these nostrils were beckoning, be, beckoning us in. Uh, so I don't know what, what I can take from the fact that Hannah wasn't blinking when she gave her account and Katarina's nostrils were going crazy. I don't know if you can take anything from that, but they were, and go and have a look. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I don't know enough about um, the sort of physiology of humans when they're lying, but perhaps overactive nostrils are one of the, one of the telltale signs. See if, see if they are. That is the best acting performance I've ever seen I, in my if life. If they legitimately are, I will be very impressed by that because <laughs> that's not something I've ever heard of before. But I mean, I could see this show being the kind of thing that, that actually, you know, they did actually direct uh, someone to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so based on the scene, I'm just going to imagine that your thoughts sort of haven't changed yet. You're just about the yeah. whole Hannah Ulrich situation. I think, uh, you know, just to reiterate what I said in the last episode, I, I think... I, I don't doubt that Hannah was malicious and opportunistic in reporting it, but I think there's enough question marks around this in Katarina's obviously physical appearance with the black eye and the fact that she's kind of like nervously playing with her hands and the fact that when Egon implies that Ulrich hurt her, uh, she she's almost like, she's almost... I don't know how to say it. Not defensive probably isn't the right word, but she's she she almost doesn't want to accept that he could do it. She's sort of like saying, "Oh, he would never do that to me. He would never do it to me." And it's to me, it just read like someone who was who didn't want to accept what had happened to her. Perhaps because she has you know kind of a cool girl image or a tough girl image or something like that. And obviously that's quite important to someone in school, um, or maybe just because of the emotional trauma of it. Um, but most of all, I thought it was very smartly structured this scene uh, as it ended with um, her saying oh Ulrich would never hurt me mm -hmm. and then we cut to a scene admittedly a different kind of hurt but to a scene where Ulrich has demonstrably hurt Katarina um, it's just a yeah it's a really nice kind of shift um, forward in the story and it kind of reframes the previous scene yeah awesome and that's I, I got the same note here and I love that this scene between uh, Katarina and Ulrich then in 2019 uh, it's a really long, slow zoom. Yeah, long, I don't know if it's a zoom. Actually, it's like a, a camera. There coming. is a very slow zoom in it. Yeah, it's. Um... I don't know if it's a zoom, but it's actually the camera coming closer, like physically. Oh, you closer. think it might be a dolly? Uh, I think okay, it's a, it might... Yeah, it might be a dolly. Um, either way, it's the same effect, but um, it's coming in very close, very close. And it's. I think this this uh, take must be at least a minute long, minute and a half. This scene, um, and brilliantly performed. And basically, Katarina, kind of. It, she, I know she basically has all the evidence she needs, but she hasn't actually heard anyone say that this affair has been happening. Mm. So she's kind of bluffing in a way. 
when she basically says, I know about Hannah. And then Ulrich says, oh, did she tell you? So it's almost like a gotcha moment, you know? Like Ulrich actually could have come up with an excuse possibly to get to, to make her not believe. I don't know if he could have, but this is the first time she's actually had 100% confirmation, even though she had all the evidence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think to me, this scene felt like her kind of throwing her theory out there, hoping that Ulrich would somehow dismiss. find a way to dismiss it. Because um, yeah. even, as you say, even though she has all the evidence in front of her, she still doesn't seem to want to believe it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a real testimony to the value of a wide shot uh, in uh, that allows the actors to, to actually do some acting. Um, I think in a lot of scenes like this in other shows, they would have shot it really conventionally with like kind of a master and then uh, a, a um, an insert and a reverse just showing each of their faces in turn. And the fact yeah. it's just a wide shot with either a slow zoom or a dolly. I didn't, I didn't notice which it was, but just, you know, slowly building that tension and moving in on them and never shifting, just giving the actors time to act was was really powerful in this. Yeah, and, and what you get when you do that as well is the value of the audience knowing that both of those actors are there playing off each other. And they're yeah. actually, you know, where if you have the reverse shots and like the close ups, you, you know that there's a stand in and they're not, like, if, if, you, if you're, you know, if, if you're cinematically minded like we are and you, and you actually look at these things, you sort of know that if it's only one character in the shot, well, the other actor isn't even on the set. So the, the fact that we have these this one single take it means that the actors can play off each other and it actually it produces yeah. much better performances like i love the yeah, moment absolutely yeah. i love the moment where ulrich uh she she says i know about hannah and ulrich just slumps down yeah yeah but his physical acting is fantastic in that moment it's because you can kind of see almost like the weight of keeping it a secret falls off of him but obviously it's also kind of destroying him and destroying his relationship at the same time. Yeah. He sinks like when the weight comes off him, he doesn't stand up straight. He sinks down. Yeah. It's so, yeah. so interesting. Okay, cool. Then we get uh, sort of Jonas's last gasp attempt to get Mikkel back. He sort of plays with the idea, I'm sure of taking Mikkel back, but then he sees Mikkel and um, his mother, Hannah uh, chatting away. And he realizes yeah. this is when he properly realizes, Oh, I can't take him away because they're my parents and I won't exist without them. Yeah. And, and, you know, just talking about scenes with great acting, there's a real kind of one, two punch in these two scenes um, with this one where it, they, if you, if you think about Jonas's position here, he's basically looking at Mikkel and Hannah. He's, he's actually more isolated than ever uh, because, you know, he, he got into this kind of pursuit of his father um, because he wanted to understand i think why his father committed suicide because he effectively mm -hmm. felt like he'd been abandoned by his parents and here he finds himself without his father not at well he, he knows who his father is and he knows that he could build a relationship with his father but to do so mm -hmm. would compromise his own existence so he physically can't do it he hasn't got any friends in the 80s who can understand his experience no one in the present and just the it asks these questions of how this must feel for him and, and, and for, also, for him to be dealing with that while also kind of wrestling with the guilt of knowing he could revert this and help Mikkel mm -hmm. if, he, if he chose to, but he would do it, but, but doing so would erase himself and he's effectively deciding to live and not save Mikkel, which is a horrible choice to have to make. Mm -hmm. And it's told through this like fantastic extreme close-up on Jonas's face. And, it, it's, and again, it's, it, although there are cuts in this scene, which there weren't in the previous one, there's just some absolutely phenomenal acting in these two scenes. And it's, it's just a reminder that when they, when they want to, 
they they can really hold a scene and just let let the actors do some do some amazing work yeah exactly and dark has a great balance between like real snappy short scenes that sort of yeah. mesh a collage together but also giving the actors time as well it's it's a great mix um so Jonas decides and he walks away at the end of the scene and sort of it's almost implying this is he's leaving Mickle here um which yep. puts an end to your theory or well, maybe not an end to it but it, it definitely sort of puts a nail in your theory that you thought um Jonas and Mickle were going to go off and have a time adventure together yeah well I think because before but before the scene with the stranger I didn't know how much of the kind of time travel causality stuff they were going to get into or whether it would just be like, ah, oh, we're not going to worry too much about that. You know, like Jonas and Mikkel can go and have an adventure in the eighties and it won't actually affect what's already happened. Um, but yeah, so now that we know that's a, that's a case, I'm going to have to re rethink my theory about what happens with Jonas. But I think um, he ha his character has by the end of this episode, um, which we'll probably get into in a couple of scenes time, but he, he appears to be kind of, in his mind drawing a line under his responsibility to time travel or engage with this mystery at all you know he's he's kind of done mm -hmm. with it he's decided he's not saving mickle but we as the audience know he has crossed the rubicon like there's no going back for him now like there's whatever he might think he's drawing a line under something but there's no way he has drawn a line under it yeah it's a dotted line not a not a solid line yeah exactly it's an ellipsis yeah exactly uh okay next scene or it goes around to his mom in 2019 uh yana and they have a chat, a, a really lovely sort of, again, see, a lovely scene where you get a character's a bit of a chance to get a bit of development going. And they're mm -hmm. talking about how Yana always knew, knew that there wasn't a body in the grave and she sort of doesn't want to believe that Mads is, is dead. It was great mirroring there because, you know, uh, she actually says that she likes to imagine that he's alive, free and happy, which I yeah. think that was, that was interesting, a really great contrast because... Obviously, she's implying that like Ulrich should think that too, but the thing is, Mikkel is alive, free, and happy yeah, just in a absolutely. different time. So, uh, yeah. So then, that was a great little bit. So I'll, I'll give you a chance on that in a minute. But I just wanted to, to to add in that, and then she let's makes all of our jaws drop to the floor again. Yeah. When she says that she saw a priest. Obviously, we all thinking ahead. Who are we thinking, Conrad? Uh, I've got no idea. Who could it possibly be? Yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> just, just you know, the, the the new father at the yeah. church. Not yeah, a major new... character at all. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Noah... I would love if like an Irish priest turned up at some point halfway through this. <laughs> just as a complete, a complete red herring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Noah apparently was talking to a man mm. um, on the street outside the house whenever around the time Mads disappeared. Yeah. And then Yana says she saw the same man uh outside the house today but he hadn't aged a day even though 33 years had passed and then yep. we get the big reveal of helga with the raincoat on opening Bloody the bunker, and he is very much implied here that he is working with noah yes yeah um this was yeah this was quite a reveal um again i like that i have things to say about what i think is going on here but um, this completely blindsided me, to be honest. I, I thought um, Helga would be a a kind of... Well, I still think this to a certain extent. It will probably become clearer how this all makes sense when I get into my theory at the end. But I thought Helga would be predominantly a force for good in this show. And this kind of, yeah, sideswiped me uh, a little bit. But well, yeah, what a, what a reveal. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and and if you actually go back and trace the reveal as well, you actually do get all those little clues like you did for like the Mikkel Michael reveal. It's just they're much more subtle for this Helga one. So maybe the oh, pine yeah. the pine cone and stuff. It's you do you notice a few things like in terms of the uh, the location of the person who was and then in one of the I can't remember which episode it was. Maybe it was the fourth episode, but I'm not hundred percent sure. It showed a montage at the start of the episode, and it showed someone like carving pine cones. Yes. Yeah. And if you had if you had been very keenly eyed, you may have realised that that was actually the Doppler cabin. Uh no. Okay. Yeah. So I, I remember that. I definitely remember that bit of the montage, but I d- I didn't put two and two together on where that was taking place. Yeah. So that that was it's much more subtle this reveal and these clues, but the clues are there, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so uh, moving on from that reveal we get a bit more Torben and uh, Torben brings in a map yeah. of the cave systems uh, into Charlotte. Cause Charlotte wanted to know, do the caves go underneath uh, where the Doppler cabin is? And probably she's, she's more, she's thinking yeah. more the bunker. Specifically the bunker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she ends up driving uh, to the, the cabin and uh, she's, she's on the phone to Peter on the way. Yeah. And uh, this is where we realize actually that maybe she does think there's a bit of credibility to what uh, to what Ulrich's saying, because she because rea- I think she's coming to realize oh hang on that is probably very close to where the Doppler cabin is maybe there is something to this. Peter again, she's crazy. No way. Uh, yeah, there's so first off, uh, Vola, who I have dubbed Eye Patch uh, in my notes here, is I I believe is figuring this out like when he's sort of asking um charlotte why she specifically wants to know about the caves running underneath the forest road and mm-hmm. and she's like oh no reason and he gives her a look which makes me think he's going to start figuring things out um but then peter gives a lot of information here that maybe it's complete it's it's complete misdirection but him saying that he came to vinden in 1987 when his dad lived here prior to that seemed interesting to me uh made me think where did he come from yeah of course or, or, or perhaps when did he come from um of and, course it's an extra mystery does, thrown in yeah and what does that mean for tronta as well um and then obviously we find out helga had an accident on the 12th of november in 86 mm-hmm. um which to me I'm sure it will all make sense possibly in the next episode, but his interview is scheduled for the 11th, I think. So yes. to me, him having an accident on the 12th seems odd. Uh, that seems like it wouldn't impact his ability to have the interview, but I, I'm sure I'm sure something will come come to light that explains how he misses the interview. Um, but again, Peter Doppler, my, I'll say this now, my Peter and Tronti are so obviously guilty that they couldn't possibly actually be guilty theory is <laughs> starting, starting to get sunk a little bit by how obviously guilty they are. I mean, Peter, when he gets off the phone with Charlotte here, he literally turns and bites his nails after the phone call. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like... <laughs> he, I, I it's i'm going down with the ship I, it's all it's all going to be a big bait and switch and they're going to be good guys but i don't really believe that anymore i think peter peter and tronta have 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 got to be up to no good here yeah yeah i, I see what you mean the the, the 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 biting of the nails is never a good sign yeah it doesn't it doesn't speak of innocence let's put it that way yeah okay so next uh 
we we get the montage now this montage was a little bit different because it wasn't really a song montage was it it's it's kind of there was a little bit of music but it was very very subtle um yeah. basically uh, Ulrich's driving he he's picked up on the uh dramatic irony of that Baron Odor was lacing in the uh, show with uh he's holding a little piece he, uh, i think there's even a voiceover of Mickle saying the question is not where but when yeah uh he then drives uh, up into the forest um we see then uh charlotte goes down into the bunker i think Jonas comes back from 86 he goes back through the tunnel um and the power goes funny in the present yep so uh, egon's sitting there drinking his bottle of vodka it looks like uh charlotte notices that the, the the floor is going mad um she finds some wallpaper so there we go uh conrad there's a big uh big reveal yeah. for you i can't actually remember if i said at any point that i thought that room was the the room with the the wall like the wallpaper like the, the doppler bunker was the room with the um with the wallpaper and the crazy machine in it but um personally i don't remember you saying that however i'm sure you thought it yeah it was definitely i i, I think i may have actually just not mentioned that, that that was my thinking but it was nice to have it confirmed um here that uh that 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 is that room i mean it's it's basically the exact same shot so there's a lot of kind of visual clues that it's you know that that is that room yeah exactly um and then there's also uh helga um old helga is escaping again uh in the midst of this uh in in the midst of this uh uh montage um anything to say about this montage in general or um so I think you've got most, I'll just read back through my notes here. So obviously we get to see Mickle with the Emerald Tablet illustration again, um, which yep. is perhaps something he's going to use in formulating his own time travel theories. So I wonder if he is still going to play a part in kind of unraveling the wider mystery, but it just won't be with, with Jonas's help. Um, and um, yeah, there's just a great little um, musical stinger um, when Jonas turns off his torch at the end of this montage, <laughs> uh, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, was there anything else? Oh, and <laughs> the one thing that made me laugh in this was Helga still having that HG Tannhaus book. Yeah. Um, which is like, it's like 300 pages long. I appreciate it's probably a scientific book, but he's had that since 1986. Like, you know, how long does it take to read a book? Well, or has he had it from 1986? Because well, he actually gave it away to, to that is uh, That Claudia. is true, yeah. But I mean, if he's giving it away to, away to Cloudy, you'd assume he'd already read it. Yeah, so he's not finished yet. He's he's reading only like he read the first chapter. He's like, oh, this is great. Claudia would love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't bother reading the rest of it, and then and now he's only just getting back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 1986 penny as a bookmark. Um, I have a theory about that as well, but um, it's mm -hmm. interesting, like an interesting little callback. And I wonder if it's that they 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 deliberately reference it. I think twice in this episode, having not mentioned it since I think the second episode. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting little callback to something that the audience may have forgotten. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. Just to talk about that musical stinger with the light that you're talking about with Jonas, he turns the light off and the music sort of tones down. I forgot to mention it earlier on, but when, Re when Jonas went into the school and Regina was uh, listening to her headphones, I love like that. It's a real like sort of eighties trope or maybe just a trope of cinema in general. The song we were listening to, actually oh, yeah. turned into the song that regina had in her headphones yeah and then she takes her headphones off and the music kind of stops as well it's yeah it's 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 a genius little trope that i love it it's it kind of it's semi-diegetic sound which is always fun yeah it's great uh okay so after that uh 
information-filled uh, montage. We get Jonas coming back home. Uh, we have a very, very touching and emotional moment for him between him, him and Hannah. Yeah. Um, Hannah gets a real reputation. So even so far, you know, uh, for being quite a, quite a cold character, um, you know, she, the way she treats Ulrich in terms of like how she's sort of in a, in a way saying, I want, remember she said, I want you. And, it's, yeah. and she said like, you know, you think you can get rid of me this easily, uh, this easily. It sort of implies that, you know, she's calculating, she knows what she's doing, but I, these, these scenes that she has with Jonas sometimes are really warm and they actually, they do make me empathize with Hannah. Um, which yeah like yeah. i mean she she's there's she's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination you know i think that there's definite flaws to her character i suspect to go back to the the rift in her relationship with enos i suspect she probably cheated on michael before he died and that's that's why they stopped talking to each other or something along those lines mm. and she is you know capable of being quite cold and malicious but you know she's she's i think she's kind of <laughs> the impression I get from her is that she's doing the best with what she has and that's not necessarily always a good job, but you know, I can, I can appreciate the, the moments where she does put her, let her guard down and, and, you know, have, have this, uh, this, these kind of moments of emotional closeness with Jonas, uh, particularly because Jonas, we know uh, at this point in the episode that Jonas absolutely needs this. So, you know, and Hannah probably needs it as well. So mm -hmm. it's just a, yeah, it's a really nice kind of touching moment between those two. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Jonas decides to burn the letter. Yeah, so to me, that's him in his head, kind of closing the loop on this, saying, I'm done with it. I'm not going to ever get in contact with my father. And I'm not going to engage with this kind of time travel stuff anymore because I've, there's, there's no reason for me to. But we obviously know that's ridiculous. Like his, his life has already changed at this point. Awesome. And, I, and maybe when we get to the roundup, I'll ask you something because your theory at the minute is that the stranger is an older version of Eunice. So I'd yes. like to maybe get into when we get to the roundup, get into how you think Eunice is moving forward from here. If you think that that's where he ends up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So uh, second last scene or, you know, there's a lot of scenes cut together here, but second last happening, I would say is uh, Ulrich finds, uh, it goes back to uh, Helga's place, Helga's room in the old folks home. Uh, he finds the 86 penny, as you say, on the red string. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This is the bit with the H.G. Townhouse book. Yeah, 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 the H.G. Townhouse book this time, too. Um, and then also uh, he goes out. He sees the window sort of flopping open and he goes outside and Helga is walking off into the forest again. And he follows him, follows him into the caves. Uh, Helga gets a little light out from a box that's hidden and he p continues through the caves. Yeah, this, this this entire scene is a beast, to be honest, because it's just this one long pursuit scene of yeah. Ulrich following Helga. And the the moment where Ulrich phones Catherine, the most confusing <laughs> voice message of all time. Yeah, yeah, just wild-eyed Ulrich vo like voice message uh, yeah. to Charlotte. It, it's, it's bad that I, because I still do Catherine unironically, whereas you're, you're doing it as a joke. So uh, but I'm just 100% committed to that being Charlotte's name from here on out. Um, but yeah, so when he phoned Charlotte and told her his theory, the kind of Game of Thrones fan in my head was like, okay, has Ulrich divulged all the information he holds to another character? And it, does that mean he is now about to die? Because he, he, as I've said before, he feels like he's skating on pretty thin ice at the moment mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe doesn't appreciate it. Um, so I was, yeah, in my head, I, I thought something bad was about to happen to Ulrich in this scene, but, um, so, but yeah. so perhaps 
Oh, I like I like where you went with the Game of Thrones comparison there. So you're thinking that Ulrich is Ned Stark, and Charlotte is Stannis. Uh, kind of, yeah. Like uh, Ulrich is Ulrich is kind of doing the initial legwork here, but, but he's so reckless and he doesn't know how close to the truth he is, mm-hmm. and he doesn't he doesn't know. Um, he, he's not cautious at all and yeah it, it's kind of a bit of a meta deconstruction of the narrative but if yeah. if, a, if a character starts giving other characters the information that they hold it means that they're no longer essential to the plot which means they can get bumped off and I, I could definitely see something happening to Ulrich because he's he's the Icarus comparison is apt he's he's flying too close to the sun here um, and as we find out in the next scene uh or maybe not the next scene, actually, in a couple of scenes' time, uh, Noah is potentially not a man with whom to be trifled. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and maybe Ulrich... In, in, so you're thinking maybe Ulrich is, in your own words, going to be about to be taken off the board? Possibly, yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so to end the episode, uh, I'm going to go through the few different scenes that add together to make the ending of the episode. Um, Alexander, young Alexander is dead. <laughs> Yep, young Alexander's dead, so uh, scratch scratch that one down. Yeah, so Yasin does not turn into uh, Alexander. Um, yep. So he's, again, he's got the thing across the eyes. Uh, what do you think about this uh, big, the wounds across the eyes from for Eric and Mads and Yasin? What do you think about that? I, I still can't, I, I, I feel like... My 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 first thought was that it's the machine that we saw Eric strapped into, um, in um in the room in the bunker yeah. that causes that wound. And I guess I still I'm kind of on that theory, but it's not really adding up for me uh, because obviously we're seeing people dying when that machine isn't present. Um, so yeah, I'm no longer I'm no longer really 100 percent on that. Okay, what what do you mean that that machine isn't present? Do you mean? Well, so the so we we've seen Eric obviously be strapped into that machine yeah. in in this room, but we see Yasin's body being taken out of this room gotcha. in mm-hmm. nineteen fifty three, as we find out at yeah. the end of this, and the machine isn't in the room in nineteen fifty three. So I that started making me question whether it is that that machine that is doing it doing this to these kids, or whether the machine is doing something else, and mm-hmm. then these kids are being, I don't know, either like there must be something that either someone can do or or um an an effect of something we haven't seen yet that's doing this to them interesting interesting yeah um so just to finish it off uh helga is dragging yasin away and helga looks very remorseful actually yeah he he looks he, he looks distraught here he looks distraught um and then we go down into the bunker where uh scantily clad noah yeah is mopping up uh, blood from the ground, it seems. Yeah. And um, he turns around, he's, he's beefcake. Um, and yeah, he's, he's absolutely got, jacked. Absolutely jacked. Most of the, uh, it seems like most of the time travelers in this show are because the stranger is also jacked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, he's also got a tattoo on his back. Yep, of the Emerald tab- Tablet. Of the Emerald Tablet. So uh, and then he writes on the, on the wall, 9th of uh, November, 1953. Yeah, four days before this, he's got it's got the fifth of November, uh, nineteen fifty-three. What do you think the significance of two dates being there are? Well, so this did confuse me a bit because those obviously aren't the days that Mikkel and Yasin were taken, but they are the days after Mikkel and Yasin were taken. 
so that seems to be the significance there unless i'm unless i'm getting my dates wrong because i think Mikkel yeah. was Mikkel was the fourth and yasin was the eighth i think yeah well if he's if he's writing down the ninth of the 11th 1953 that's, that's what this day is it's sort of insinuating that that's the day yasin died yes Just yeah i guess so so whoever died on the 5th of november would be why they wrote that there so who do you think yeah. that is Oh well, I guess that'll be like given what we've seen of uh, of our, our, our young redheaded friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and see that's Eric. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So there we go. Right, that's, that finishes off. What did you think of the the the, the last sort of reveal of? Well, not, it's not really a reveal, but the last sort of scene of Noah mopping up the blood, Helga looking distraught. I don't want to get in, get into your full theories just yet. We're going to go into the roundup for that. But just what do you think of this last sort of scenes? It's it, it's great. It, it really. As as is often the case with the best parts of of uh, kind of the broader plot stuff in Dark, it asks more questions than it answers. But mm -hmm. it just it's kind of a Dark is so good at just revealing kind of little corners of of the the sort of tableau without giving too much away, and it's just enough to get you thinking in slightly different terms about things. So you know, prior to this episode, I had entertained the idea that the 50s would be visited at some point but only in a sort of half serious way. And then this, the end of this episode pretty much, well, it pretty much confirmed it. Um, and yeah, just, just the continued um, revelations about Noah as a character and the kind of Machiavellian stuff that he's up to and, and who's helping him as well. It's just, it's, it's very, very compelling. Yeah, I, I imagine this is probably one of the episodes where whenever it finished, you just wanted to click that next episode button. Yeah, yeah it was very, yeah, it was very hard to, to, to turn Netflix off after this because, yeah, I, I want to see, I want to see what, what, what happens next with these guys. Awesome. Okay, let's get into the roundup. Okay. Okay, so in the roundup, I'm going to first of all go through the IMDb rating. Um, and then we can just plow on with the theories just because we've done it six times already. I'm not a quitter, so we're going to continue doing it. Yep. Um, and it sort of helps us put the episodes in order in our own mind, even if we don't agree with the, the rating. So this episode Crossroads was 8.8 uh, .8 on IMDb, which is the lowest one for a while now. Yeah. Um, which is, it, it's interesting. There, like, there was a big reveal at the end with the Helga. Uh, there wasn't really, it wasn't like a... It wasn't a huge sort of. I don't know. How do you feel about that eight point eight? Let's forget about the eight point eight. But how do you feel about it being put below the last few episodes? I think personally, I think this is the second best episode. I think I think episode After five yeah. is still the best. But this, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying in terms of there wasn't that much kind of stuff to propel the plot forward apart from in the last sort of ten minutes with the with the Helga and Noah stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think. I'm trying to think of anything that I've seen that approached the acting in this episode. I don't think uh, the, the martyr um, monologues are probably the closest that the show has come to the level of acting we've seen in, in, in this episode, I think. Yeah. Um, and while they were great, um, just that, that like one, two punch of the Ulrich and Katarina scene where he, his affair is revealed and then Jonas kind of leaving Mikkel in the eighties. Yeah. There's just such good performances in those two scenes. Um, and that combined with, with the plot hooks, which while they're not that many of them, they're very significant, made this a great episode for me. 
Yeah, exactly. Like you do get the big reveal of Helga. You do get uh, the awesome scene between the stranger and Jonas. So yeah, there's enough in this to really pr propel it up there. And I would probably agree with you. This is definitely, I'd say episode five is my, episode five is my favorite. I'd say I, I would myself, I'd put this on a level with episode three for me. I, the first episode in the eighties where yeah, we get, where we get that big montage to the song uh, Familiar. Um, where we get the first side-by-side uh, -side split screens. That that episode for me is really high up in terms of the series in general. Yeah, so, that, um, that, that, that definitely has a lot of presentational flair to it as well, which this doesn't have as much of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so that's the IMDb ratings done. Uh, what are your theories coming out of this episode? Um, so my big theory, obviously we know that young Helga... I say young Hank. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna distinguish. There's child Helga, yeah. middle Helga, and old Helga. So we know middle Helga or like 30s Helga or however old he is, is also time traveling and helping, perhaps unwillingly, based on his reaction to disposing of uh, Yasin's body, um, Noah, uh, because Yana saw him in '86, which is obviously explainable because he was around, um, but she also saw him in the present day, which isn't explainable. So my theory is that there are two Helgas. Um, one who kind of had an accident and aged in his usual time from the 12th of November 86 onwards and who mm. has become the old Noah. And one who is old kind Helga. of... Oh, sorry, uh, old Helga. And one who is still kind of operating outside of time and working with Noah. So we now have two characters who kind of are part of this group who don't exist in one time and are kind of stepping between times as they wish. Now, I don't know how Helga was duplicated, I guess. I, have, I suspect it has something to do with uh, young Helga being taken from the 50s to the 80s. And then uh, something's been done to him, which basically meant that he's kind of had his memory wipes or something, which would explain why, why Helga couldn't remember anything up until present day or why he has memory issues. Um, right. But he had, like had his memory wiped and was kind of planted into the eighties um, by, uh, I, I'm not sure how he was aged. I haven't really got any theories on that, but it's, um, I feel like there's something to do with um, that young, young Helga being taken from his correct time to the eighties and then planted into the timeline. while middle Helga if you like goes off with Noah to do a bunch of awful stuff to children but following on from that it then made me think okay Peter Doppler came to Finden in 87 yeah and Tronte and or Tronta and they were both waiting for a message to appear on the bunker wall yep. presumably sent to them by Noah in the past in the form of the chalk messages that he's writing on the wall so I want to know what the message was and are there also two Peters and two Tronters as well. And what is the process by which these guys are getting split uh, and, and kind of moved around in the timelines? And then obviously the big question still remains, which I, I wonder if this series is, is ever going to answer it. But I think there's a very clear distinction between all the other kids who have been sent back in time and Mikkel um, in that we've seen what has happened to all those other children mm -hmm. and it's not what has happened to Mikkel. So who yeah. sent Mikkel back? Yeah. why and why has his fate been different to that of every other child who's been abducted so far um mm -hmm. so yeah those are my big kind of theories and questions coming out of this episode very interesting so are you insinuating that the that sort of your two 
Helgas, so to speak, were once they they were at some point one Helga. So they have they have the same sort of timeline up until a certain point, then they split. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, so I think Helga I think middle Helga has been like roped into helping Noah through maybe blackmail, maybe um some kind of manipulation. And as part of that manipulation, Noah has coerced him into helping them go back to the 50s, get Helga's young self, bring him forward in time to 1986, and then through maybe through the chair or something like that, either age up or or otherwise um, kind of, um, what's the word, like accelerate time for that. I don't know how old he was, like 10 or something, um, accelerate time for him so that that child could effectively be like placed into middle Helga's timeline and continue living his life in, in the correct timeline, if you like, while middle uh-huh. Helga goes off and, and kind of exists out of, outside of time with Noah. So, so the, okay. the duplicate Helga is young Helga who has had like his life accelerated by some means. Interesting. Like it's basically like the hyperbolic time chamber in Dragon Ball yeah, Z. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, not to go back to Dragon Ball Z again, but it's exactly like the hyperbolic time chamber. Like they're kind of there's there's some way that they're aging up these children to basically stick them into timelines so that the actual adult and 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 I think as I as I explain it, there's a there's kind of this theme running throughout the show of like the sins of the fathers affecting the children, mm-hmm. and it would be a really interesting uh, take on that to have these people who are committing sins as adults go back to their, their, ch- their themselves as children before they've had the ability to make the decisions that led to those those mistakes or those bad decisions they've made and kind of force them to deal with the repercussions of it while they themselves go off and start gallivanting around time murdering other children or whatever it is um <laughs> Noah and, Noah and uh, Helga are up to. Interesting so your idea is that old Helga is actually the one who, because his memory's bad, he actually had his, he was the young one who had his time accelerated to the point where he was a middle-aged man. Yeah. And then yeah, he so, aged from then to being an old man. Yeah. So, so old Helga is actually young Helga who had like effectively had his life stolen from him. And middle Helga is, is hanging out outside of time with Noah doing whatever those guys are doing to keep themselves young. And I think Peter Doppler and Tronta may also be, uh, may also be involved in this as well and could possibly uh, be ha- have been subjected to the same thing. Interesting. Interesting. That is interesting. Like, it's funny because <laughs> it, it, I like how your theories, a lot of your theories these days are going down the idea of like either aging people or staying the same or like or like reversing the aging process or not reversing it but keeping it the same sort yeah. of noah stopping to wait stopping aging it's really interesting uh okay i don't know what to say about it <laughs> i i just think like i i i'm i i, I so want to know what they're up to like i i, I really want to know what noah's game plan is here because i that's the thing that i'm really getting stuck on at the moment is i i don't know what Noah is trying to achieve. And I really, I hope we get a little hint of that in this season. Um, just, just so that, cause I think as soon as we know what he's trying to achieve, it could, it's potentially going to blow the whole thing wide open. Yeah. It's, uh, 
That's, 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 that's really cool. Uh, I'll also say that you've got so many varying theories and they're changing oh, so, so much every week. Yeah. I'm just going to say to the listeners, because we, uh, Conrad has a week between each episode, he's actually theorizing so much more than we would have when we watched it because we would have like watched it all in like a couple of days because we binged it. But because he's, uh, he's watching it a week between, he's had so much varying theories, so much series that are going back on each other. I just love it. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable how, where, the, where the human brain will go when given enough time. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got my theory matrix that I'm building uh, at the moment just to show like, I, 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 maybe, we'll, maybe we'll share it with the listeners at some point. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's looking, it's very vague at the moment. There's not been too much on it that's been categorically proven wrong. But likewise, there's not very much on it that's categorically been proven correct either. So it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I, but it's, Every time I watch an episode of this, it's I, I'm like just feverishly writing down notes and reviewing them and thinking about what this could possibly mean and comparing my theories to previous theories and my 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 theory matrix is creaking under the weight of itself at the moment to be honest. So, out of curiosity, um, what how does your theory play into the idea? Now, maybe I'm giving you uh, something information here that you didn't notice, but we'll, we'll just go with it because I'm pretty sure you've mentioned it in the past. Um, how, does, how does your theory account for the fact that, you know, Yasin and uh, Mads and Eric have been found or shown with the penny on the red string around their neck and old Helga, who in your mind wouldn't be the one who's helping Noah out? old Helga having that as a bookmark? So I think, I think the pennies are um, like almost like a pass. So they're, they're sending the kids, either their bodies or their young selves in the case of Helga, where, where they're not killing him. They're, they're like planting him into a timeline. They're, they're kind of giving them these, these passes to say what time they came from, because obviously Mads' body, they say, said explicitly he had a penny from 1986. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the penny that old Helga is using as a bookmark is a penny from 1953. Um, and so they're basically giving these pennies, either putting them on the bodies or in Helga's case, giving them to him so that noah's operatives if you like and i'm assuming there's more than just helga i'm, I'm assuming there are others um are, are able to distinguish like where these bodies are coming from like this mm -hmm. is this child who's from this time and, and and so on and so forth um and i think helga keeps his as uh, an attempt maybe to remind himself of what has uh, what has actually been done to him because obviously something's been done to alter his memory um mm -hmm. so it could be have you ever seen, you've seen memento right yeah memento. Yeah. it's like the the don't believe his lies thing like <laughs> written on his on his hand where yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has this thing that feels significant to him he doesn't know why it feels significant to him but he keeps it because it helps him to uh recall um what's been done to him perhaps okay interesting i also think there's also symbolism there like the coins on the eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, I, oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Okay, cool. Let's get into what the dub then. All right. What the dub? Okay. Every week I watch it in English dub. Uh, I have never seen the whole series in English dub, so I'm subjecting myself to this. Uh, so some weeks I have some really funny stuff. Some weeks I just have uh, something where I actually give credit to the dub like last week in terms of uh 
Regina's uh, character, uh, actress choice, even though maybe we got to the point where we thought actually that was actually a negative because it doesn't make sense to have one person <laughs> with a different accent. Um, <laughs> but this week, uh, we're back definitely in the realm of the, uh, of the, of the comedy, laughing at uh, the dub. So nice. my one this week is all down to the people who are making the decisions to change the script again. Okay, great. They make a they make a, a roaring comeback after having a couple of good episodes under their belt. Yeah, there's a roaring comeback here. So in the scene where Egon is in the car with Jonas and Jonas is showing him his earphones. <laughs> He's showing him his earphones. Yeah. And Egon says, Now I've seen it all. Okay. Yeah. Now now I've seen it all. Maybe people who speak German or other any other language wouldn't know this. Now I've seen it all is a saying in English too. Okay. That makes sense, Conrad. You've heard that in your life, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing. So why did the people who wrote the dub change the line to, so what's next? Okay. That's, that's an interesting, that's, yeah. That, that's just like, I don't understand why they're making these, these kind of creative choices because they, they clearly don't have a flair for them. I, well, the thing about it that annoyed me was, it did annoy me, let's be honest, but the thing that was funny to me about it was when people in English anyway, maybe it's a different in other languages, but when people in English say, so what's next, they always follow it with something, you know? So yeah. they would say like, oh, so what's next? Like little TVs in your pocket, you know? Yeah. I.e. phones. Like you, you, that would be an extra joke, but you always follow, so what's next with an example of something that would be next. You never just yeah. say what's next yeah you're, you're like that implies that you're expecting them to tell you like what yeah. you're thinking yeah so what's next uh yeah so it, having said that i do realize in my mind there might be a reason for this the reason might be that it's actually a direct translation from what they say in german po yeah possibly and maybe in germany that is saying so what's next is actually a saying in its own, even in, in English, we would usually follow that with some, something. Maybe in German, they do just say, so what's next? And the subtitles correctly changed it to fit the English lexicon, whereas yeah. the dub didn't. There's my, there's my actual proper you know, logical brain in me, but it's still funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, uh, you're, do, you're doing them an awful, an awful lot of credit by attempting to like, apply logic to the, the these creative choices that they're making frankly yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so it's so strange some of these choices they're making but anyway that's what i noticed in what the dub this week so that was episode seven uh we're getting on we're getting on rightly now we've only got three to go in season one yeah i know um, it's like it's absolutely I, I can't believe how far we've come i know it's uh, it's absolutely crazy i was saying to conrad before we started recording every every week we record on a thursday and every week around thursday at midday i I start getting a bit nervous because I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, I don't know how to make a podcast. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, you know, but somehow I look at the YouTube channel. I'm like, oh, we've actually done it a lot already. So we're doing something right. So um, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you want to listen to us on uh, podcasting apps, it's up on all the ones that are nice to us. Make sure you go and check it out. Subscribe there. Give us a rating. It would mean a lot to us. Um, anything to add this week, Conrad? Uh no just yeah keep keep following along with us and thank you for your continued questions and support it's uh, it's awesome having you guys along for the ride look out for the question and answers episode coming out on saturday uh episode 7.5 that would be apart from that goodbye goodbye
Thank you for listening to the After Dark podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.